Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. Today I want to talk to you about why it's not always wise to keep all of your net worth in cryptocurrency. Put it into other things. Here are some examples of things you can put them in. Let's get into it. to a few different Facebook groups and I asked them what are some safe assets where can I put my money that I know it's still going to be there in a year or 10 years 20 years time and people had some unusual responses they were saying things like ah, it's it's easy all you need to do put some of your money in a margin lending account on Bitfinex and you get 10% per annum on your ether. And I was like, hold on. So you're saying it's safe to put my money in an exchange, which has only existed for about five years, in a, holding it in an open source software project, which has only existed for about three years. In an industry, it's only existed about nine years, which has a history of failure among exchanges. That doesn't really sound safe to me at all. Actually, that sounds very much the opposite of safe. And if you talk to anybody in traditional finance, if they think anything about cryptocurrency is secure or reliable as an investment, obviously you're going to get a resounding no. You'll notice the other day when the ratings agency had a look through different cryptocurrencies, they were afraid to even give Bitcoin or Ether or any of these supposed blue chip cryptos an A. The highest that they would give it was, was a B. Obviously, it's partly because they're worried about overextending themselves, but it also shows the, the kind of reputation that these things have in the traditional finance world. So I did some thinking and I did a lot of research one book that I've been reading is Tony Robbins' Money Master the Game. I recommend you have a look at this book. I've also heard people recommend his book Unshakable, which I haven't read yet, but apparently it has some good financial advice in there. And Tony talks a lot about his idea of a magical money machine. That is, developing enough passive income that you can do what you want to do, not what the man tells you to do. So if you're in a job and you decide that it no longer serves you, you can tell the boss where to stick it. Now that's the kind of power I would like to have in my life. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people out there are in the same position. They want to be able to have some control over who says what they do. You want to be able to leave a job if it's not working out for you and move out into the world go to israel or go to lake atiplan in, in guatemala for a few days if you feel like that's a good thing to do 
that's the kind of financial security and eventually financial independence and financial freedom that makes life really cool. <laughs> so I was having a look at a few things. Now, firstly, precious metals. Now, precious metals, obviously, they don't actually have a return, except if you're looking at things like mining stocks, junior mining stocks, gold royalty streamers, which are a kind of company which holds royalties to mines just in case they actually dis discover gold and then they can increase their holdings. But precious metals of themselves, um, namely normally silver and gold, and then you have platinum and palladium, which are also options on the table. You might never get amazingly rich holding on to silver and gold, but they're good to have at least in a small amount, like 5%, 10% of your portfolio, because at least you know that they're, they're probably going to keep up with inflation and they may even outpace it. So they may even grow slightly in purchasing power over time. And basically, if everything else falls, if you have that tail risk where everything goes to pot, at least you still have the cold, hard silver in your hands. And it feels good to have a gold bar or a silver bar in your hand, a nice 10 ounce silver bar. You can feel the, the weight of it and the feel of it is just like, you know why people use this as money when you feel it. It, it feels good. There is a case that gold and silver are actually going to explode in, in price over the next five or 10 years. It's not certain, but there's a possibility. The thing is, the gold and silver markets are fixed. They're very manipulated. What happens in some cases, financial institutions do this thing called naked short selling. And that means they can sell you a silver certificate and it says, this entitles the bearer to one ounce of silver. But if you go in and try to exchange it, they'll actually say, oh, well, we don't really have any silver. Or they tell you to wait a couple of weeks as they get some made up and then they can actually give it to you. So basically there's all these silver certificates floating around the market that don't actually have the silver backing and the industrial demand for silver is quite strong, especially among electronics. So it, it tends to be around 230 million ounces that gets used up in smartphones like this one, tablets, laptops, PCs. So there is a lot of demand there and the amount that the supply is increasing from mining doesn't actually keep up with that. So one day, maybe soon, the market will start to realize, actually, you can't exchange your silver certificates for silver. And that would be when the price really breaks up, breaks out, that is. That's not secure. That's, that's not a guarantee, but there is a case there. So at least if you're holding gold and silver, 
you know it'll maintain your value. And as a second part, possibly it will even increase in price a lot. Then another instrument which I've been looking at uh, exchange traded funds. Now, actually, I didn't know what they were. I heard a lot of people talk about them. And if you've never bought one, you probably don't know what one is either. So it's quite simple. In a way, it's similar to a mutual fund or like a superannuation or, or 401k that you probably have as a forced savings plan if you live in a developed nation. So what happens with, with a managed fund or mutual fund is you, you buy a bunch of shares and they actively manage the fund. So they're buying a, a basket of shares and, and bonds and other assets to hold for you. But they're actively trading. So every day they're probably buying and selling something just to justify their position. And that means that the fees tend to be quite high, 2 or 3% per year, which means if you have a large portfolio, that can mean that you're paying thousands of dollars per year. And that can really eat into your savings or into your investments over time because of compound interest. The magic of compound interest means that over a long period, 2% probably doesn't sound that much over a year, but over 10 years or 30 years, it can make the difference between you having enough money to retire and you having a problem. So that's the thing. With these index funds or with the ETFs, they're not actively managed, they're passively managed. So maybe they readjust their portfolio once or twice a year, buy and sell some assets and get them into the right percentages. That means that fees are a lot lower. So instead of being two or 3%, like they will be with a managed fund or mutual fund, they'll be less than 1% in a lot of cases and less than 0.1% in a lot of cases as well. So this is a cool way for you to buy a lot of bonds or a lot of stocks. So people say it's, it's smart to diversify and don't keep your eggs in one basket. In this case, you, you can buy the entire basket. So you can buy the entire US bond market or the entire US stock market. There's also, for example, the S&P 500. That's a famous one. One I'm looking at is Edge. SPHD, which is high dividend, low volatility US shares. And with these instruments, you can, with the bonds, you can expect to get a return of two or 3% a year. It's likely to outpace inflation by, by a little bit. And with stocks, you can get a return of six or 8% a year. Another investment vehicle that I'm looking at is peer-to-peer -peer lending and it's true peer-to-peer -peer lending can normally be quite risky because you're just lending to regular people and if they default it can be hard to follow up with them and it can be hard to collect what you've lost there is one site that i've been looking at not giving it a recommendation but this this is the kind of thing that you might consider it's called market lend and it's not 
lending to individuals, it's actually lending to businesses. So businesses go on there and say, we need a $10,000, $50,000 loan, and it breaks it into small chunks, and then you can buy small chunks of those loans. The cool thing about it is some of these loans are actually guaranteed. That is, they're insured by QBE. So if the business actually goes belly up, defaults on the loan, you can still collect. And in some cases, you collect the principal and the interest. That means that you can collect 8% a year with quite a low level of risk. And this is another way that the finance, uh, the fintech industry is maneuvering around the banks. So we don't have to use banks so much anymore. And that means that we collect more interest and the businesses borrowing money get their loans for cheaper. So it works, works out pretty well all round, except for the banks. Those guys are shut out from the mix. So these are a few things that you can look at to preserve your wealth. If you had some crypto gains over the last year or so, having some precious metals feels good, especially compared to the crypto market where things are going up and down 10 or 20% a day. It's nice to have some solid assets, some nice boring grandpa type assets, some gold buried in your backyard that you know will be there when times get tough. Remember, cryptocurrency is all just, it's still an experiment. Nobody knows what's gonna happen. It's possible that the entire thing could just disappear tomorrow. That's possible. So it makes sense to hedge your bets. It makes sense to put your wealth somewhere else, <laughs> not all of it, but somewhere else where you know it will be secure in the future. Thanks so much for listening. This is Kurt Robinson signing off in Canberra here. Today I went into the Mexican embassy and spoke to them about getting a readmission, an agreement of readmission into Mexico. And all signs look positive. Hopefully within about three months, I'll be back in Guadalajara, living it up and sipping piñas coladas in El Expiatorio with mis amigos. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Invest safely. Remember, this isn't financial advice. I'm just trying to let you know my own thinking processes. Have a great day.